Hustle Song Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts, influencers, dreamers, and doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond, and create. Hi, I'm Rich Langton and welcome back to another episode. Today, we have Katrina Henderson being interviewed and I'm sure you're going to love this and get a lot from this one. Many of you won't know who Katrina is, but let me introduce you to her. From my perspective, Katrina is a Hebrew scholar, a Bible expert and a lover of Jesus. And about 12 months ago, when Hillsong Church planted Hillsong Israel, Katrina was the pastor that went over there and started to establish the church. She's had in her heart Israel for decades and has gone on the journey of learning Hebrew and really appreciating the context and the culture of the Old Testament. So today, she's going to help us understand what worship truly is. If you're like me, you'll think that worship is singing or songs or just what we do when we gather together. But today, we're going to discover what it really is, and that's going to help us all outwork our lives and our creativity in a whole new way. So I'm excited for this. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll talk to you at the end. Katrina, thank you so much for joining us today. So excited to see you. Love it. Nice to be here. <laughs> yeah, good to have you back. Um, okay, are you happy for us to jump right in? Sure, let's jump. Okay, I'm going to give you the first one. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is worship and or is there a difference between worship and prayer? Yeah, let's start with a small topic, shall we? <laughs> worship. Worship is, I guess... I mean, stereotypically, the answer would be worship is our devotion or adoration or exaltation, magnification of something. Right. Obviously, in this context, we're talking about God. Right. I think it's a little more simple than that, though. I think from the scriptures and its origin, I think it's as simple as walking toward moving closer to something and it being your focus. Right. The thing you want to be the closest to. But prayer, the difference between worship, interesting question, actually, because when the temple was destroyed, sorry, we're going Bible no, nerd. This. Is that Go all right? Straight into it. Bible nerd. I love it. Do That's it. That's all I know. When the temple was destroyed and the Israelites were in exile, what they knew was worship, being the sacrifice, was replaced with prayer. Okay, wow. So, in fact, some rabbinical writings would say and suggest that the three times a day praying thing was a direct replacement for the three times a day sacrifice slash worship. So is there a difference? Depends on what time in history. Also, when the temple did exist, the burnt offering was in the outer court, the sacrifice, and then the incense in the Holy of Holies in the inner court, the incense represented prayers and thanksgiving So it's almost like they intertwine. Like if you don't have prayer and devotion as the basis or the inside of your worship, it's just smelly flesh burning, if you know what I mean. Sacrifice, the worship without the prayer is not really pleasing. Right. But But I guess in a common modern context, prayer can become very much about need and what we need and supplication and, but worship positions you in a place where it makes sense that this God is big enough to ask those things. So I think they go hand in hand. Absolutely. I love what you said. I love the imagery behind that as well. Like just kind of putting into context what it's like without that prayer and without that inner connection with God. 
can you talk into, I know it's a really big question, but yeah. like even just into like worship and like what it is. I love what you said about it's a focus and just a coming closer. It's, yeah. not, it's actually not cre- like incredibly complicated. No, it's not complicated at all. I think we as humans like to complicate things because we can't deal with the simplicity of grace and unconditional love. So we <laughs> make all sorts of True. things that are about us. Yeah. I mean, worship very early in scripture is so removed from a four song set. Right. It's... I mean, there were animal sacrifices and that was worship. You know, it's so randomly different to what we (laughs) think when we think worship. But whenever you read the word offering or to offer a sacrifice, in the Old Testament at least, in Hebrew, it literally means to be brought near. So ultimately what the Israelites were doing and when worship, worship wasn't just either Israel, like there was worship, false gods. There right. were other nations that were worshiping, worshiping multiple gods, inanimate objects, seasons, yeah. you know. Uh, so when Israel started to worship, they were approached by the deity, if you know what I mean, yeah. to bring them close. And the way that the sacrificial system was set up, which is also far down the track from where worship began, but when the sacrificial system was set up, it wasn't do all these things to prove you know, to get right with God, it was do these things as a symbolic external act of your internal drawing near to God. Right. The goal was that we would position ourselves as the creation drawing near to the creator and the encounter between heaven and earth, the only reasonable response is worship. Right. Whatever that looked like at that point in history, whether it was to sacrifice a bull, whether it was to be on your knees whether it was to set up an altar with stones, whatever it looked like at various points in history, the ultimate uh, thing that was happening was that they were responding to the God of all heaven and earth approaching them right? so that they could draw near to him. And then when that happens, the only thing there's left to do is worship. Totally. I love that because it, I don't know, I think sometimes we think of it as, it absolutely is music and it absolutely mm-hmm. is singing and it absolutely is playing. And because it's biblical, we read it all the mm-hmm. time, like yes. to sing out, to praise, to shout aloud, to do all these things. But when you think about it in that context, it actually, I think sometimes we think it's only, we can kind of discount ourselves from it thinking, oh, I don't have that voice or I can't do this. And we make it about something that's so shallow and like finite mm-hmm. that what it was never meant to be. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about that, it's like it shows how inclusive it's always been God reaching out to his people. Mm-hmm. And our only response could be to worship him. Yeah. To be in awe of him, to be overwhelmed by the grace of that approach, to be magnifying him instead of ourselves. Yeah. It is interesting because I often joke, even if I'm emceeing a service or introducing myself to people who are musically gifted, <laughs> I often say, yeah, I'm that one Hillsong Church pastor that can't sing to save their life because <laughs> <laughs> everyone thinks we're all singers and musos. But <laughs> I I love that because it means I can worship yes. and I don't have to be able to sing or play an instrument or paint or dance. I can worship just it's Paul. Paul draws on this history so beautifully when he says, in view of God's mercy, in other right. words, once you see what God's done for you, the reasonable response is to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. Holy and pleasing to God. That's your acceptable act of worship. So he even 
I secretly suspect he couldn't sing either. (laughs) So he's probably reiterating what acceptable (laughs) worship looked like from a historical perspective. It's really cool. Okay, so you love to run. I do love to run. Yes. Yes. When you're running Mm. and you're now, you're not in Australia anymore, you are Mm. now where? Tel Aviv, Israel. Awesome. You run regularly there. Yes. And you love it. Six days a week. Oh my gosh. Okay, you're amazing. Along these lines, we've been talking about worship. Uh-huh. So like in your everyday living, we hear that a lot. Like in our everyday living, like bringing ourselves to worship, you were talking about being a living sacrifice. Uh-huh. Do you feel like, are there moments when you're running and you feel like God speaks to you? Do you feel like it clears uh, your mind? Like, absolutely. Do you feel like absolutely. closer to God when you're doing something you love like running? Absolutely. I think God put all the gifts that we all have. Yeah. So my inclination to run has always been there. But now, obviously with my relationship with God that develops over the years, now when I run, sometimes I'm just running the stress of the day away if it's at night time. But <laughs> often I I will run with worship music on yeah, and really seeking the Lord, worshipping Him, from a great place or really crying out to him from a difficult place. Oftentimes too, if I'm doing sermon prep or needing to think through things for other people's uh, (laughs) research, I'll be like, oh, I just need to go for a run. I'll get back to you once I've gone for a run and I'll run and it'll fall into place and I'll come back with. Right. Yeah. So I think if whatever we're given as a gift, if we can understand where that came from, that can also be... A worship response. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like your your whole person's involved. It's yeah. not just like absolutely it's your spirit and it's your soul and your heart and your mind, but it's also your body, like <laughs> yes. all working together. And it's, yes. it's such an incredible experience. I think that when we can invite God into everything, he actually, he's already there waiting for us, but then he's like, he's welcome. And, you're, and it's just incredible the interaction you have with God. Yeah. When you think about it with, it's not just at this time of the week, at this time or when I, you know, it's actually... Yeah. It's always available, Yeah, that connection with Him. Well, the earliest relationship we see between humanity and God's obviously Adam and Eve. Right. And there, there's this one little phrase that we don't know anything about except that in the cool of the day, God walked with them in the garden. Right. And I honestly believe that is what worship is meant to look like. Yeah. A walk. It's so daily... And it's so simple, but you can't get anywhere without it. Right. Like it's how we get places. It's how we move forward. Absolutely. And it's close and it's intimate. I mean, I have some of the greatest conversations when I'm running with people because their guard's down. Right. They can barely breathe, but their guard's (laughs) down and you're looking straight ahead. So there's no serious intimidation eye contact. So you're just having this great and I just have this picture of Adam and Eve walking maybe running but walking (laughs) in the cool of the day just you know totally at peace with who they are because they're in the presence of God those conversations would have been worship I'm sure of it yeah because there was no inhibitions there were no insecurities there were no it was like heaven on earth before all of the interruptions right yeah so I think that would possibly be what the ultimate worship looks like yeah I love that thought so much. Okay, so you spoke about how worship is our proximity to God and following Him and that walk and that close relationship. Is that enough? 
is that all we need to like make sure we have that and then not worry about the rest? Or like, how does that play into community and church and the gathering of God's people? Yeah, good question. You know, there's only one time in creation where God said something was not good Hmm. and that was that man would be alone. Right. And what's interesting is he wasn't. He was with God. So right from the beginning, it wasn't enough for it to be just me and God, you know, and I... You know, you meet a lot of people, oh, I don't need anyone, I don't need to go to church, I've got a great relationship with Jesus, it's just me and Jesus. And actually I'd I'd probably have to argue with them and say, well, that's the not good category (laughs) from the beginning. Yeah. And uh, and that that proximity that we have personally is just our own personal responsibility to be worshippers because I can't just get caught up in the momentum of what everybody Mm. else is doing. Mm -hmm. But the point of my personal responsibility and your personal responsibility is that when we come together, there's something that's magnified uh, in our ability to worship God together. But but God wasn't just creating a bunch of individuals. He was creating a people. Right. So, you know, it got all off track. So he starts with Abram and says, okay, right, let's start with one again Mm. and let's make a people. And the, the Israelites, like the Levites to the Israelites is what Israel was meant to be to humanity. Right, wow. Evidence of people who drew near to God and worshipped as a community. So the Levites as a tribe were yeah. meant to be those people yeah. so that Israel could go, oh, <laughs> that's how we're meant to show the rest of the world what God, it's like to be in relationship with God. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so the point of corporate worship I mean, the point of individual worship gives corporate worship its strength. Right. If a whole bunch of people who are already worshippers come together to worship, wow. Right. But also corporate worship does something incredibly powerful spiritually Yeah. because where there's unity, the Lord commends a blessing, yeah. where if it's biblical uh, lyrics that we're singing, yes. we're declaring the Word of God, which never returns void. It always accomplishes something, yeah. what it's meant to. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of dynamic going on when we are, you know, we when we confess, I mean, the Greek word confession uh, is talking about the same words as. So if we're saying the same words as God, I mean, right. he created the whole universe with his words. Yeah. So imagine what we're accomplishing spiritually when we worship together yes. in a unified manner. So there is that powerful, incredible side to corporate worship, but there's also the fact that we're, we're a people, we're a family, yeah. and together we, it's almost like we have a fam- a creed, if you like. Yeah. This yeah. this is our family way of, of doing life. This is the way we represent who, who we are, mm-hmm. uh, and God graces that. But right, even right from the beginning, uh, God wanted to inhabit, dwell with his people, yeah. and the Scripture says that he inhabits our praises. Yeah. Which is so cool. So if if we're together, almost like building a throne for him to sit on, yeah, he can just come on, settle in, and yeah. enthrone himself yes. on our praises. Yes, and uh, that changes us. I mean, worship. We think worship is awesome because of the way it affects us. And I find everything that God has 
asked us to do, he's designed us to benefit from as well, yeah. <laughs> which is very clever of God <laughs> and, cra- and gracious. Yes, it is. Um, so when we're worshipping, which we're created to do, there's a tendency within humanity to worship something. Mm-hmm. So if it's God, awesome. If it's God and it's together, mm. the whole thing is magnified. Sure. and it, it changes it's, everything. Yeah, it's, it's effects are exponential. We'll get right back to the episode, brought to you by our Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference, which happens in Sydney, Australia. It's for every kind of creative, whether you're a musician, singer, a graphic designer, architect, an audio engineer, or video editor. It's a place for the artists of the church to gather together, to worship, to be inspired and refreshed, and to be equipped and trained for your sphere of creativity. Find out more details at hillsong.com forward slash WCC. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hi, I'm Katrina Henderson, and this is my Fantastic Four. The last book I read was Dare to Lead by Brené Brown. The job I would be terrible at, oh goodness, probably being a waitress because I'm such a bad walker, I would drop things, trip over things, spill things all over people. If I wasn't able to sleep, I would read more books. The one person in the world I would have coffee with if I could? Ooh, so many. Well, I guess now I live in Tel Aviv, probably Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot. We talked a little bit earlier, there's there's this phrase that we can sometimes hear, I think maybe even some of our listeners have heard this phrase of theology of worship. Mm -hmm. Can you speak into that a bit? Like, what does that mean to you? What do you think about that or? Look, I think as 21st century Western thinkers, we like to categorize things. Yes. We like to put things in bite-sized chunks or digestible. Right. You know, we box things. It's so Greek, it's very Greek. So I'm a little biased because I'm more of a Hebrew thinker. I have been immersed in the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, all of the scriptures, but the Old <laughs> Testament scriptures mostly for over 20 years. So I've grappled and wrestled with thousands of years of biblical history in a Hebrew mindset as opposed right. to 60 years of Greek thinking in biblical history. I think to narrow something down to a theology. I mean, theology is the study of God or the knowledge of yes, God. Yes. So to have a theology of anything really is an extension, should just be an extension of our knowledge of God. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So to know sense. God means I worship Him. Right. It's that simple. Having said that, <laughs> uh, it is good to have a solid, if you're going to have theologies and doctrines, you do definitely need to have solid biblical foundations for how and why we totally. worship. Um, but I think biblically, worship is more than just a theology. It can't be narrowed down necessarily to a specific theology because yeah. it looks so different historically right through the scriptures. Totally. So there's no real methodology that can be turned into theology. It doesn't just get like a bullet point, this is yeah. what this means and this is, and right. just, oh, I understand it now. It's got it's to like, be no. more about who God is, i.e. Yeah. our knowledge of God, theology. Once we've understood our knowledge of God, which I don't know that we ever fully <laughs> will, but once we've understood it, it stems from that place, then how we respond is going to look different all yeah. over the planet. And that we actually get to, like we get to be part of this. Yeah. Something right back, like you already said, started with Adam and Eve mm-hmm. all the way through till now. Again, 
ancient Near East, people worshipped crazy things. They worshipped stone idols and things made of wood, but they also worshipped gods that they thought they had to prove themselves for or, you know, bribe almost to get any kind of outcomes, whereas the God of the Israelites, our God, just wanted to walk with his people. He wanted them to be in his presence and worship kept circling back to that place of no inhibitions, intimacy with God, heaven and earth colliding, and our response to that being just pure and authentic. Right. It started as pure and authentic. And because, like you said, the complications, everything that happened, ever since then, it's not like God turned his back and we've had to we don't have to work our way back. It's ever since that moment, he always had a plan to reach out to us. That's mm-hmm. what it's always been. Mm-hmm. It's always been his pursuit of his people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the as I, I think I said before about the Hebrew word for offering and to offer means to be brought near. And the interesting thing in the New Testament, it, ref, it talks about Jesus on a couple of occasions in the New Testament about how we've been brought near through the sacrifice or the offering of yeah. Christ's body. Yeah. So he was the ultimate act of worship, if you like, in laying his life down. He drew all of us near. He didn't oh. just draw himself near through sacrifice. He brought all of us close. So, you know, we read that verse, draw near to God and he'll draw near to yeah. you. It makes it sound like we're doing all the initiating. <laughs> but we've already we're already really close. Yeah. All we need to do is kind of look up. Totally. Yeah. Like actually just acknowledge. Mm-hmm. It's not striving. It's not trying to do the right thing. Or being. It's actually just acknowledging he's there. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, the connection and the heart to heart. And yeah, I love that. I love how simple it is. Yeah, I think so much of the scripture is actually very simple. Not easy. Absolutely. Yeah. But simple. I think we've complicated it because we we don't comprehend grace and simplicity. Totally. We want to make it complicated, so we've earned it. Yeah, because then we have that achievement of like, mm. okay, I feel I don't owe you anything. You don't now we're even and mm-hmm. it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've made God in our image, which is unhelpful. No, it means worship gets all messed up. It does. Mm. So, you talked a little bit earlier how um, worships look different through the ages and 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 how I mean we have complicated. Can you even just talk about a little bit like where did it begin? Like maybe they're only they only really know like worship services and stuff like that. Can you speak mm-hmm. into like the history and even yeah, look, I really only know Bible history. No, that's what I and mean. When Sorry. I say I only know Bible history, I don't even really fully know that, but I, oh I know gosh, it Katrina, better than I know other things. My dream is to know the Bible like you know the Bible. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not flattering you, I'm being honest. Um, even Well, even though, like, what you know biblically, like biblic, uh-huh, uh-huh. biblical worship, how has it changed? A lot. It's changed a lot in its format and its methodology. Right. right. Hopefully hasn't changed in its purpose and its, its stance. But yeah, like I said, Adam and Eve walking in the garden, you've got to assume, because we don't know anything else, you've got to assume that that place of intimacy has an aspect of worship to it. So if we're walking intimately with the Lord, the way that impacts us to draw closer to God and potentially be transformed into his image is kind of what's happening these days when we come into a worship service and we're drawing near to God and all of a sudden, I mean, you can't worship God and keep a bad attitude at the same time. (laughs) So in getting close, we're actually becoming more like him the closer we get. So I can't help thinking through scripture, it's the closeness and the proximity that's what 
worship really yeah. looks like. But yeah, I mean, we go, we get kicked out of the garden yeah. and all of a sudden worship looks different because yeah. that, that intimate walk has changed from a human perspective at least. So they start doing things like building altars and they build altars to remember what God's done for them right. or to thank God for doing it yeah. or to call upon the name of the Lord because, you know, we, we read through all these things, we get to a point the story of Noah's sons and it says in those days, Noah's son Shem, yeah. in the days of Shem, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. So what yes. was happening in all that time yeah. before? But again, calling on the name of the Lord sounds like a prayer, but it's also an act of worship. So oftentimes you'll see the phrase called on the Lord or called on the name of the Lord and the building of an altar happening right. simultaneously. So that period post-garden <laughs> worship <laughs> was all about setting up an altar. And I think that's still also relevant to us. Yeah. Like, do we have our lives dotted with altars of what God's done? Because right. when you think back about what God's done, you worship. Yeah. When you thank God for what He's doing right now, you worship. When you call upon the name of the Lord, you're worshipping. So the, the, we went from the garden, I think, probably to the, to the altar. So, so primitive simplistic, right. stones set up, you know. And and then, again, biblical history, I'm trying to fast forward it, but biblical history goes through lots of metamorpho, metamorphosis. Uh, we get to things like the Mishkan, the tabernacle. Yeah. God says, hey, I don't just want to turn up when you build altars. I want to, I want to live with you. I want to, I want to move you. into the neighbourhood. Yeah. I want to dwell. Yeah. That's what Mishkan is. It's the place of the dwelling. Uh, tabernacle, that's the word for it. Right. And um, so God says, hey, let's make this place where you can come and do those things, but I'll go with you. Like we'll set it up and we'll pack it down everywhere you, I go, right. you go, and take the tent with you. So we all of a sudden now we have this, I guess, mobile worship, if you like. It's yeah. not just a stop, set it up and leave it behind. It's stop, worship. And when God's moving, let's go where He's going. Yeah, because He's moved into our neighborhood again. It's that proximity yeah, thing. He's with us. So it's funny because David turns that into a temple down right. the track. Yeah, or through Solomon at least. But it was David's idea. It wasn't God's. Right. To have a a place where you had to go specifically to worship. Right. Once there's a place you have to go, then there's procedures you have to go through. Sure. Someone's got to look after the place. Sure. So Levites come along. You know, someone's yeah. got to take care of all the stuff. Someone's got to let people in and out of that place. Yeah. And that then complicates it because all of a sudden who's in and who's out. Yeah, totally. And what's holy and what isn't. And, and Yeah, their thoughts, their opinions, what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. And whilst it was good in that it meant people really anticipated going up to, ascending yeah, to Jerusalem, right. ascending to going up to worship the Lord. People really anticipated that and looked forward to it, but it also complicated it and formularized it a little bit. And the God of worship gets displaced a little bit right. and we start to worship the things we've right. made, like the process, so we've the built place. Things again. Yeah. And we we do it now. Absolutely. We sometimes worship worship. Oh totally. We worship songs. We worship songwriters. We and worship ourselves. Worship like things. we honestly yeah. we worship the gift. Yeah. And so I, it's so evident even back then that David and then Solomon were so caught up even in making this place so awesome because it's for God. Uh, yeah. But still they're focusing on 
the process and the protocol and the and the formulas rather than wait a minute god was actually really happy in that tent <laughs> and he just wanted to be with us so uncomplicated mm-hmm. he actually just wanted yeah. that closeness yeah so even temple worship which probably most parallels where we're at now because we we think we go to a place to worship sure. Even that, whilst it had a really positive impact in some ways, complicated it. Yeah. So we can do the same thing. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm not surprised that the temples were destroyed. Like right. people, Israelites would obviously have been devastated. Their whole identity was based around the temple at certain points in history. And even now they have a, a day of mourning on the day of the year when really? both temples were no destroyed. Way. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Having said that, as devastating as that was, yes, it was the Assyrians or the Babylonians or the Romans yeah. taking them into exile, ruining temples. Yeah. But, you know, God could have stopped it. I think maybe he wanted to say, hey, let's not do the temple thing. Yeah. Because now that's you. Right. You're the temple. Right. You're that space where I want to live. And if we're walking together like that, you will worship. A little bit earlier, you mentioned you're living in Tel Aviv now. Mm. You're you're a local Aussie gal mm-hmm. living there. Um, can you talk into like what it's like being a a female woman leader, pastor, pioneering the way with this this church in Tel Aviv? <laughs> yeah, look, I laugh a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, it is one of those funny things where people go, "What?" What? You're doing what? <laughs> you what? Right. By yourself? Really? Yeah, by yourself. Uh, yeah, so it's a funny thing. But people everywhere need the, the Lord. And yeah. Tel Aviv is this crazy, creative, innovative, edgy, young, and also really needy, rebellious, <laughs> crazy. It's the prodigal son, yeah. ultimately. Uh, I think wow. if the prodigal son, if Tel Aviv had it, had have existed in the first century, I'm sure that's where he would have gone. <laughs> but yeah, it's people would say having a woman trying to plant a church in Israel or anywhere in the Middle East is is at the very least challenging, at the worst, a disaster. But <laughs> it's amazing how God just graces the most unlikely right. people and the unlikely plan. So God's God's been so great. Like I. I haven't really felt particularly brave. I felt a little bit insane from time to time. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we we need healthy churches or a healthy expression of the body of Christ everywhere on the planet. And I think Tel Aviv is a perfect place yes. for our house or any house that's a healthy house yeah. uh, to, to be built. And so I'm just really blessed I get to be part of making that happen. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to come visit you. Please do. I don't know when, but I We'll am. eat a lot of good food. Yes. Okay. This is not as serious, but can you just, what kind of good food? Can you just talk me through it a oh, little bit? Oh, look, you've not even eaten a tomato until you've had a tomato in Israel. Really? Seriously? <laughs> Israel invented the cherry tomato. Did you know that? <gasps> no, I did not know I mean, that. you walk into the shuk, the market. Yes. And there's probably, I mean, you could see seven or eight different types of cherry tomato just sitting in front of you and you think, oh, my gosh, how is this possible? But the food, I think the reason the food is so incredible is that it's so fresh. I don't know what it is because, I mean, I now cannot eat hummus from anywhere else. Right. I'm, ex- I'm a so you won't be snob. having any here while you're here? No. 
Not unless it's imported from Israel. <laughs> I yeah. wish I had some here. Imagine if I just pulled out. Oh, if you pulled out it, some Israeli hummus oh, right now, it. I'd be a happy camper. Why wasn't I thinking A little about bit that? of hummus, a little bit of tahina, a little yes. bit of flatbread. The only thing I yeah, can say... Yeah, there's too much bread. That, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, I don't know if you can have too much bread. I don't think so, but... It's pretty yummy. That's amazing. Mm. Um, I just remember a phrase you said a moment ago that's just sticking with me, and it was you said, we need healthy... Mm. Everywhere is needed. And you're like, Tel Aviv is a place where they just need, they need that health, they need that love. Can you just speak, just a last thought on um, how can we be that where we are, wherever we're at in the world, with what's in our hand, whatever we're doing, how can we bring that to where we are? I think probably the huge benefit of starting church from scratch, like nothing from the ground up with nobody, has meant... I've had to really focus on what what matters right and what's needed in the community and I've found like everywhere else on the planet uh Israelis Tel Avivians and anyone else living there just want authentic real relationships genuine belonging and people who live what they say right and uh, Israel's very in your face and straight up. So if you're a fake, they'll they'll know it. They'll call you out. <laughs> so I think those basic human needs are the same across the earth. What most people don't realize the core of that is is their longing for that acceptance and that yeah. belonging from God Himself Absolutely. through yeah. Jesus. And so I think anywhere we're we're planted by God, any city we're in. We need to be really diligent in committing ourselves to a local church and planting ourselves there because, I mean, not only will you, if if you're planted, you're going to bear fruit. That's just the nature of planting. So, yes, it'll benefit you, but it'll also give your community an opportunity to see church isn't about religious activity. It's just a place where people who really love God, really love Jesus, go to celebrate that yeah. and learn more about doing that well. Right. And it's it, if it, the church is healthy, everyone's living that out 24-7. Yeah. And the, the gathering, the service and the worship set yes. are really just the celebration of that, the surrender to that, the lean into that, the commitment to grow in that so we can take it out. Right. And people can see what it's actually like for God to move into the neighbourhood. Right. So the like garden actually, all totally. over. Yeah. yeah. Like actually in the neighbourhood. Actually the in love, the neighbourhood. The relationship, the authenticity, mm-hmm. the uncomplicated. Absolutely. Which might be very shocking at first. Like, have you found that even with where you're at where people are like, wait, is it, do I really just come as I am to yeah. church? Well, we have that, you know, that saying and that hashtag, I guess, here uh, at church, come as you are. Yeah. And that has really shocked people in Tel Aviv. Right. Because they've got so much religious context from millennia, actually. Yeah. And so when I say, no, just come as you are, or when I'm emceeing a service and I say, hey, you're welcome here, welcome home. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you're from or what you believe, you're welcome here. That really shocks people because they're used to being in a context where it has to look a certain way, they have to be a certain kind of person, do a certain kind of activity to be accepted, whereas we're endeavouring to build a church and open a home, if you like, a church home where everybody's welcome to be a part of the family, everybody's on a journey, no matter where they're at on that journey, 
they can come as they are. So people have actually said to me, I didn't think I would come tonight, but I remember you'd said, come as you are. So I just did. Wow. Yeah. Because they felt welcome. Yeah. And they knew they actually could just, they took a chance on coming as they were and they did. Yeah. And then to find that, it's, I find it so fascinating because I get so used to being like, hey, you know, we get so used to saying these things and in Mm -hmm. the community and like, I feel like I can underestimate how being that for the people, I might think it doesn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. But even in this community I find myself in, it actually, there's people here who that's, their reality is not come as you are. Their reality isn't welcome. Like you don't need to change anything about yourself. You don't need to be fake. You don't need to pretend. Mm -hmm. You don't need to say the right things to get in their door. You don't need a password. You don't need a specific amount in your bank account. You don't need to look like, do you know what I'm saying? Like it takes away everything superficial. Yeah. And it's literally just the inclusion of that, who that person is and them bringing themselves. Yeah. Most weeks I have a conversation with someone who's shocked by that. One young guy just finished his military service and said to me, I'm in, I, I'm in a dark hole and I don't wow. even know how to live wow. anymore. Now that I'm out of the army and people aren't telling me what to do every day, I don't yeah. know how to do my own life. Yeah. Uh, so I've come here to Tel Aviv, which is, <laughs> yeah, classic. Uh, and I said to him, well, that's cool. Just keep hanging out with us and uh, we'll do what we can to help keep you out of the dark hole. Right. And he's like, really? But I don't believe what you believe. I said, that doesn't matter. You're yeah. a great guy. Yeah. Why would you not come hang out with us? There's some good people here. Some of them you'll get on with, some of them you won't. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you're, you're welcome to come and be part of the family. Yeah. No matter where you're at. And he was, he was floored by that. And yeah. uh, that's the response I often get. And uh, I'm just really blessed to be so on the ground, building yeah. from ground up, to yeah. be in those interactions really regularly. It's yeah. keeping it really real for me. Yeah, and it just comes back to that simple walk. Yeah. Jesus Jesus actually didn't say to the disciples, uh, set up a tabernacle and worship me. He right. said, follow me. Right. He probably literally would have said, walk after me. Right. Walk, walk with me. Right. Like he took them right back to the garden and said, let's just go for a walk for a few How years. How cool is that? Wow. And uh, and they did. And any time, I mean, you, you, you remember the story where Peter, it's like, oh my gosh, this experience—the transfiguration—is yes. amazing. Let's uh, let's have a worship service. Let's set up a tabernacle. Let's <laughs> yeah. do something religious right now. Yeah. And Jesus, well, the Father yeah. from heaven goes, Peter. Seriously, this is my son. Listen to him. Right. Stop talking. You're yourself. Stop it. Yeah, yeah, and just stay close. Right. And uh, so that walk is what created a foundation for us to then all be able to, I mean, he walked with us, then he brought us near through his sacrifice, and now the obvious response to that is to worship him. Yeah. But it starts with the walk. It does. And the drawing near, and then it makes perfect sense just to worship. Yeah, because it's our human tendency to want to stay on that mountain or stay at that altar because it's that experience in that Mm -hmm. moment. But I love what you've said is actually just keeps us moving forward with that walk. It's that daily walk, which it gets us down the mountain. Yes, we go up the mountain where his climbing companions. Mm -hmm. Then we come down the mountain and it actually helps us get through the valleys because we keep walking. We don't actually need to sideline ourselves there either. We just keep following him. Just keep moving. Yeah, you keep walking and moving. One step at a time. It's actually all you can do is one step at a time. Yeah. It's very, it's very um, daily. Yeah. But that's exactly, I mean, so is breathing. 
Yeah. But really important. Thank you, Katrina, for opening up your heart and mind to us, for speaking into these things. But just even that tangible takeaway of when we walk, it's all about that walk, walking with him, following him. Thank you. We love you. So much fun. Yeah. Shalom. Well, that was Katrina Henderson, and I hope that you're able to take some time and really work through what it means to worship God and what that looks like in your life and your everyday. And I'm sure that Katrina would really appreciate your encouragement and your prayers. She's in Israel and she's building the church over there. And so if you receive something from that interview that you can apply to your own life and you'd love to encourage Katrina around the church plant in Israel, jump onto Instagram. Her Instagram is Katrina LH. That's Katrina with a C. <laughs> uh, jump on there and send her a message and give us some encouragement because I know she'd appreciate it. So next up, we've got today's Q&A. So we're answering some of your questions. Let's jump straight into it. So Jamison asks, I want to know where to begin when creating a creative culture. I think it's really interesting to want to create a creative culture because I think you got to start by asking yourself why. Mm. Why do I want a creative culture? Is mm. it because it's cool? Is it because it's what every other church is doing? Is it because I'll find expressions for my people? Why do you want to do it? Because right. I think the only right way to want to do it is because it displays a relationship between a creator and a creative mm. because it helps us to tell the story better of who God is. I think creativity was his idea. And he is incredibly creative. I think about Jesus telling parables. I think mm. about God creating heaven and earth. I think about um, Christ-likeness being formed in us. He mm. is always creating and we create as a reflection of who he is. Mm. And so I reckon that that understanding and that base starting point is a really great place for a creative department to evolve from. Mm. So what we are actually trying to do is give expression to who God is and what he's doing amongst us. Mm. And then I think you have to start by asking yourself, what creative expressions do I need to engage in order to do that in the community that I find myself in? Mm. So for us, in the middle of Copenhagen, it is a cool, creative, edgy city. I think our team should be on the forefront of creativity and design and all those sort of things. Um, in some of our cultures, creativity doesn't even function as a language in that place. Mm -hmm. And so we've had to go right back to base levels and start with music and song and all of those sort of things to even find a language to express mm. what Zephaniah 3.17 says, that God sings over us. Mm. And so we are little bit by little bit in different environments, in different cultures around the world, just working out how to reflect God in the arts, in the people, in the worship, in the tools that he's given us mm. in order to bring him glory. Mm. Really practically here at Hills in Sydney, yep. when Pastor Brian and Bobby, I guess they founded Hillsong Church, they've always had, an, a, um, I guess, a love for uh, song and for 100%. that uh, worship expression. Right. And Bobby is very creative. And yes, is, she is. is um, and makes room for the arts, right? Exactly. And that's, I guess that's where I was going. So as far as senior leadership goes, they're leading the way. They're, they're sort of pointing right. us in the direction. And I think they've been really great for us because they go, we make the special days special. Mm -hmm. Now, they don't tell us what that looks like, right. but we get to come with ideas about what that could look like, mm. which means for us it's limitless on what we could do. So 
We can do as much as our team can dream. So if we wanted to have an art gallery on Mother's Day, if we wanted to bring dance, if we wanted to bring short film, Mm. if we wanted to bring whatever we wanted to do, we could suggest that as an idea and submit it to them for consideration. Mm. And then obviously whenever you bring creativity, you've got to be prepared to be knocked back. Mm. So I can think of many times in starting a stage design culture and a creative culture where I've turned up on a Sunday and what I've seen has been horrific. (laughs) And we've actually had to pull down things because our value is excellence. Mm. And so in terms of birthing creativity, it's been willing to actually say no to things even though it's taken people a lot of time and a lot of effort in order for the greater good to prevail. Mm. Um, We have said no to dance because it hasn't been polished enough because I think you can put things up there but if they're not ready, the congregation doesn't respond like you want them to Mm. and so therefore you lose their trust Mm. in order to bring it next time. Mm. So I would much rather bring what is good and reflects well on God Mm. than half-baked. And I think actually setting some standards early on as you're building a creative culture matters. Mm. And in that, obviously, making sure it aligns with your senior leadership's vision and goals. Because I know in some congregations, the senior pastors, creativity is not even on the page. Right. And and it's not something that they're wanting to engage with. Well, so so for us, if we tried to do um, worship or spirit dancing in worship, Mm -hmm. we would find ourselves out of alignment. So not that dance doesn't have a place in worship, but probably the best place that it fits for us is in telling stories and narrative as opposed to in the middle of worship. Mm. And I think you've got to find the fit for the arts in the context that you live in. Mm. And being willing to submit to leadership when their vision is not for that that particular right. form of creativity or even creativity at all. 100%. Mm. Um, our friends at Bethel they have artists on the platform painting during worship Mm. and they have flag dancers during worship. Mm. We don't believe any less in the arts than they do, but we have a very different place for it to fit in our context. So Mm. when we do worship conference, we actually have an incredible art gallery that we have spent the year preparing for and incredible pieces of art that Mm. showcase the talent of artists. Mm. We believe in artists like Bethel do. The outworking of that looks different. Yeah our dance would be the same. Yep. So to answer the question real briefly, you'd start with why, make sure it's in alignment with the leadership, Yeah. and then build slowly over time as the need and as the um, imagination grows. Right. And and don't bite off more than you can chew, right? Right. So I would say do one thing and do it well to start with. So look at what your strength is in your community. If you've got some filmmakers, invest in them heavily. Hmm. And I think we've found as you begin to stir different aspects of the arts, more people come and go, oh, hold on, I can do this. Could I play my part? Mm. I can do. But if you invest just small steps, Mm. better results. Perfect. Well, Jamison, hopefully that answers your question. That's it for today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and it's been useful for your journey. If you haven't already, I'd love to take a minute just to encourage you to subscribe. 
When you do that, you become part of our growing community of creatives who are trying their best to live out their faith through their creativity. So join us anywhere you find your podcasts, subscribe, and then you won't miss out on anything. And I always love to hear from you. So please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It helps with the visibility of the podcast and it lets us know what you think, what you're enjoying and where we can go with the podcast in the future. Aside from that, you can write to me on Twitter at Rich Langton and we'll talk to you next time.